I'm pretty fired up to talk today with two-time MLB All-Star pitcher, Chris Archer. Chris, welcome, my friend. Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to start off with like a softball, just like right down the middle. What's your favorite pitch to throw? Uh, that's a tough question, but a well-executed heater, okay. like your top velocity, like wherever your location is, mine personally is top of the zone, you know, blowing a heater by somebody, yeah, nothing, not many things feel better than that in life. Yeah, 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 man. And I'm sure, can you just like feel it when it comes out of your hands? Like, I was, we talked to golfers and golfers are like, I can close my, close my eyes and like, when it hits the club, they know. Like, can you just know when it leaves your fingertips? Yeah, you can feel pretty much if the ball's going to go in the vicinity that you want it to immediately yeah. out of hand. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like, I'm sure that this is just a special feeling. It's like throwing the perfect pass, you know, just, um, and like to that, right? Like, I've worked around football my entire career and like more specifically quarterbacks. And I just like, I know the relationship in, uh, between quarterbacks and the receivers and just like the, how important that is. They need to be so in sync and, and how hard they work on that. So, but I'm I, like, talk to me about like the pitcher catcher relationship. And I mean, it obviously seems like a extremely important one in, in that special relationship. Yeah, dude, the catcher has a tough job. Um, he has to have an idea of five starting pitchers and then seven to eight relievers not to mention guys who get moved up and down. So I've been on teams that have used eight, nine, 10 starters in a season and, and 12 to 15 relievers in a season. And these, these guys work extremely hard. Uh, they're more like the quarterback position, um, even though they're just receiving, uh, they're more like the quarterback. Um, but it, it's, it's super, super important. And I think if you watch, um, the good pitchers who have like the best games, they're fully in sync with their pit, with their, with their catcher. And yeah. that comes from like hours and hours of studying what that pitcher does personally, communication for hours also. And it's, it's something that's a lot deeper than if you just, if you just flip to a game and you see a guy back there putting down fingers or, or now pressing the, pressing the buttons cause it's changed a little bit, but it is deep. And these, these catchers, when they're on flights, uh, when they're in the clubhouse, when they're in the food room, wherever they are, they're watching video and, and the conversations they're having with the pitcher, pitchers are meaningful because it might be something implemented that night. Hmm. Yeah. And do you have like, you don't have to name names, but do you have like a f favorite catcher that you've like thrown to over the years? Like, is there one that I've just had, sticks out? You're like, I love that guy. I had two really good catchers in Pittsburgh. Um I've had some legendary catchers when I was with Tampa. I, I threw to Jose Molina, and you know he's a he's a part of a long line of catching lineage. Um, I think all there's three brothers that played in the league, and they all have World Series championship rings at the catcher position. Um, but one one guy's work that I really admired was Jacob Stallings, uh, late round draft pick. Uh, he's his dad's a basketball coach and college basketball, like a coach's son, so. You know, not extremely talented, but he knows like he's got to put in an incredible amount of work. And um, our starting catcher, Francisco Cervelli that year, who I loved, he had some concussion issues. And um, I went to the manager's office and said, hey, look, like I haven't thrown to Stallings yet this year, but 
I love the work that he puts in. I feel the most comfortable, even though I haven't thrown to him with him behind the plate. And it's just because he studied. I mean, he went to UNC, smart guy. But again, he's a coach's son, so he really knows how to put that extra work in. And uh, he's still catching to this day. I mean, he's, he's with the Miami Marlins. And if you flip on, they have a great pitching staff. And I think in large part due um, to his veteran presence on a young pitching staff. Yeah, for sure. And talk to me. So when you're on that mound, you you were like known for your energy, energetic presence. Like you always bring it. Like what, where does that come from and why is it important to you? Uh, you know what? I think athletes should be who they are. Um, I think a lot of times they try to get molded into being very stoic or or sometimes coaches try to bring life out of a guy who's not very lively. Uh, so I, I think for me, yeah. my personality is like, I'm very energetic, outgoing. Um, you know, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve as a person. And whenever I've tried to suppress that, my game hasn't been as strong. I haven't been able to compete in, at my highest level whenever I suppress my personality on the mound. So. Um, I, I'm super fortunate. I got brought up with with a young Rays team in 2012, and they told me, "Hey, be you." Joe Madden, one of the greatest managers that I've I've played with in my career, uh, he was all about embracing the person uh, because if you embrace the person and they feel comfortable, you're going to maximize what they give you. And you see that every year, even now with the Rays, maybe they're not the most talented club but they're in a comfortable environment and they supersede all the preseason projections. They outplay all the projections. And I think a large part of that is because Tampa's created this environment where their players can be comfortable and can grow and can express themselves fully. Yeah, for sure. It just shows any environment, right? Like whether it's the work environment, sports environment, create, create, create a uh, space for people to grow. And so what's your, uh, you know, you grew up in North Carolina, raised by your grandparents. What was your earliest memories of uh, playing baseball? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I'm, I'm not playing this summer for the first time in a while. And the one thing that pops into my mind is, is probably being around the age of five, maybe six, uh, playing catch in the front yard with my dad. Um, and it's, it's just a great memory because I feel like that's what baseball, all the, what, what baseball is all about, the, the connection, um, especially a father and son connection or a father and mother or, or, or two siblings, that connection that you have, or even with your neighborhood friends in the front yard playing catch when there's no pressure, there's no fans, there's, there's none of that. But at that time, um, you know, kids want to be funny and throw sidearm or throw knuckleballs and all that. And my dad was like, no, you're not going to do that because you have a million dollar arm. So, like, don't do any of that crazy stuff that could potentially hurt yourself or not. If you're throwing a knuckleball and you're not a knuckleballer, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's a useless throw. And he basically instilled in me that you have something special. Don't let it go to waste by just screwing around out here. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great advice. And so 2012, you made your MLB debut. Take us that moment, like running out there, taking them out. It, it was pretty overwhelming. Um, you go from AAA, which, you know, the stadiums hold 10 or 12,000, you know, but they're not packed every night by any yeah. means. 
Um, and then you you get called up and you're playing in a newer Washington Nationals ballpark at that time. Uh, there's so in the minors, there's usually like one deck of stands. Sometimes there's a second level, um, but I had never played in a place that had that third level. You know, so it was just like you walk out there and you look up and you're like, damn, like this is the show. Um, and I, I actually got a little bit emotional because it was one of my dreams. Obviously, that's that's now real. So I had to take a moment and just like kind of like squat down and, you know, lean against something and just like really take it in and say, wow, I've, I've accomplished this goal. I want to go make the most of it. And now it's time to reset these goals. Yeah. Um, but but be in the present moment and and enjoy and soak it up so that it's impressed in my brain forever. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then uh, 2015, you were in the Ray, you were the Rays opening day starter, and then you know, you've also you 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 uh, pitched in the All Star game. Like, what's a cooler moment? Like, an all like is it like opening day starter, so much energy, or like an All Star game? Like that has to be pretty cool. Mm, that, that dude, uh, toss I up. Don't... Wow. Okay, <laughs> my money was on All Star game, but like I, I I understand your your first opening day. is mm. very very special yeah um because again that's like that's a dream and all yeah the fans are super excited to see you yeah like you are going to open the season for your team the all-star game is fun unbelievable having my yeah parents and family there and being able to share that experience but the fans are it's more casual and yeah you know there may have been a couple hundred raised fans there Um, you know, if we're lucky, yeah, but for yeah, the yeah. most part, but having like 30,000, like they call out your name and like, you can hear like, wow, I really have an impact on this community. Like, right. and it's, so it's deeper than just the game. It's like, wow, these fans appreciate me. Okay. I want to go put on for these people right now. I mean, you're throwing just like a heater down the middle for that. Like you, like your first pitch has to be that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So yeah, you just start. heater down the middle yeah you got it like you just got it it's challenge so in 2018 um i was facing the red sox opening day and mookie betts uh who never swings at the first pitch um like statistically he had like the lowest first pitch strike swing percentage in the game you know we yeah. study these things so we know how uh -huh. to approach people and we come out And I just throw, boom, nice and easy down the middle, like 85, 90%. I'm getting strike one. Like, I got to start the season off strong. Mookie swings. And fortunately, we have a platinum glove, one of the better defenders ever in the game of baseball in yeah. center field. Kevin Kiermeyer is tracking it down. It's, it's kind of like in that scene in Little Big League when the ball goes up and Ken Griffey Jr. is, like, tracking it. And then it goes yeah. back to the ball. Then it goes to Griffey tracking it down. That's how I felt. I'm like looking at KK. I'm looking at the ball, looking yeah. at KK. I'm looking at the ball. And all of a sudden KK jumps up and it wouldn't have been a homer, but it would have definitely been extra bases. But first yeah. pitch of the season, I'm like, what is Mookie doing? Like he's not supposed to swing. I mean, they won the world series that year. So like, it was like, you know, that would just set the tone, I guess. So. Yeah, no, I played against 13 when they won the world series. and 18 in the World Series, and it was, it was like the same. Like, every single yeah. player on the team had a career year.
Yeah. You know, and, and that's what it takes. And that's like, you know, when I'm watching the Braves play, they're having an incredible year. Everyone on one through nine, their lineup, their pitching staff is pitching really well. And then you look at the Dodgers, they're kind of doing the same thing. The Orioles, they're kind of, you know, they've shocked everybody. The Rays are having a great season. So um, I'm really excited about this postseason here in about a month uh, with, with baseball coming up. Yeah, for sure, man. Just throwing in an extra question here, like, because I, I grew up a Sox fan. Like, is it pretty cool to play in that stadium? Um, I really did say, not oh, like piece of shit. <laughs> but no, listen, it's because you feel like the fans are really, really on top of you. So, like, as yeah, an opposing yeah, yeah. player, right. it's not great. But if you're the home team, the home crowd, that's what you want, right? Yeah. So I'm staying. I'm standing on the mound. I look over my right shoulder. It literally feels like the monster is like right here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I look over my right shoulder. I'm like, damn, like it's, this is right on top of me. And yep. then when you're warming up in the bullpen, you know. Oh, they're right the, there. The, they're yeah, right yeah. on you. The Bostonians, they're going to give you hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <Very deadly. laughs> uh, it's a tough place to play. I love when I when we go there and I don't have to pitch. Yeah, because sure. you know, it's it's a tough place to play, but going there and being a part of the history um, is, is really really cool. Don't love pitching yeah. there though. <laughs> All right, noted. Well, talking about uh, the Boston area, you recently took a course at the Harvard Business School, learning the business of sports and entertainment. So, tell us some talk to us about your approach to uh, life after baseball and, and what you're looking at. Yeah, so look, man, I'm trying to learn. That's that's what I'm trying to do right now. This first summer and this fall, all I want to do is learn. And, um, you know, I've talked to a couple teams, college and professionally, about being on having some level of involvement with player development. Haven't decided yet, but I pop in with these teams and I learn. I try to see what they're doing, uh, where I think I can help and, and where I think I can be educated more. Um but and, and, and the Harvard Business Program is part of that. Um, I don't want to be one dimensional. I want to better understand the revenue aspect of things, a, a different perspective. I've always looked mm -hmm. at things from the lens of being the talent. So I wanted to get a different perspective and learn from Anita, who, who you know uh, well, and she's a great professor, especially in that space, and put myself in a, in a different environment. So there was 10 athletes and 70 business executives in this program from Amazon to WME to CAA to Netflix, Google. I mean, it was a wide variety of entertainment media uh, executives. So it helped me feel comfortable being in rooms with people who weren't sports people. Um, right. I, I obviously learned a lot about, you know, the formula to success for these large brands. But I also was able to say, you know what, like the same things that made me good in baseball with the hard work and holding myself accountable and being disciplined and being able to communicate, uh, being willing to learn and being open minded. These things I can apply in the business sector and, and have some success or at, or at minimum hold my own in these rooms. And, and there is value in my experience, even though it's different than someone who's actually studied business. So it's been it's been a fun summer. Uh, I've been learning a ton and I've also been dabbling a little bit in the broadcast space, too, just to see if that's something I want to do. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just keeping it all open, man, and just seeing like, you know what, like maybe maybe I'm not one dimensional. Maybe I'm doing something flexible 
little broadcast, little business, and and a little bit of, uh, of professional player development. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'd like to ask everybody, you know, here at Plainfield as a community, how can we support what you're up to? Well, you know, I, I love what you guys have going on. And truthfully, you know, the next time in Miami, I think maybe we should link up or or if we're in the New England area around the same time, because I did get into another um, Harvard program called Crossover into Business. Awesome. Um, let's link up and let's continue yeah. to build and, and create a relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll make sure, you know, hopefully the community here can just like follow along all you're up to and, you know, as you kind of publicly put out what you're doing in the business world and what's next, like everybody here can support. So I'm going to, I'm going to end it with a uh, final and uh, kind of interesting question, but on your Instagram page, you have a quote that says a conscious lifetime is a treasure beyond value. What's that mean to you and why, why they're front and center? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we think of treasure, we think of things like diamonds and jewels and, yeah. cars and clothes and and monetary things and um like what i value most what i find as my true treasure is being yeah. present and soaking soaking up time with with loved ones or doing something that you love i know everybody's not necessarily fortunate enough to like to play a sport as their job but, yeah. you know, if, if your job isn't something you love, there, there may be a hobby or spending time with your friends and family that is the real treasure and value in life. And, and from, from my perspective, because I've been exposed to a lot of different things. I've been exposed to, you know, like the things that I named earlier with the cars, clothes, jewelry, et cetera. Yeah. And um, it's only temporary happiness. It's, it's really not that fulfilling. So if you're conscious and you're aware and you're present and all your interactions, I think that's where you're going to get the the best value out of life. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's it's good. Uh, it's a good quote to live by. And so, uh, you know, everybody obviously check out your Instagram page where, where that is located and, you know, follow along. I'm, I have no doubt big things are next for uh, Chris. So, man, thanks again for your time today. And uh, let's stay in touch. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Ben. Oh,